Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to Nectar, Sex, and Soul. I'm your host, Soraya Leonora, and I'm a holistic sex and relationship coach. This is a chance for us to get intimate, to reach far into the mystical, magical, erotic, tender, inspiring, vital, primordial depths of what it is to be human, what it is to express and inhabit these amazing bodies fully, and what it is to make love to the divine in everything we do. We'll be penetrating deeply into the nectar of what it is to be alive and turned on by life, how to transmute pain and hardship into pleasure and medicine, how to embody the union of polarities, including sex and spirit, and how to love every piece of ourselves wholeheartedly. This is a space where we don't just talk about the act of sex, but rather how sexual energy permeates every area of our lives as the seed of creation and the source from which we all came. Exploring sexuality in this way not only takes our sex lives to the next level, but is a catalyst for a life that turns us on in each and every moment, not just in the bedroom. Within you stirs a sexual vitality that is capable of so much more than you could possibly imagine. This is what we explore on Nectar, Sex, and Soul. Thanks for coming to play. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Nectar, Sex, and Soul. This is Soraya Leonara, and I am here today with a guest who I'm very excited to have on here, who this is our second time recording this episode, actually. We had some massive tech issues last time we tried, and it was such a bummer because it was a great conversation, but I feel really lucky to get to have some more time with Matt, and I feel really uh, grateful that he came back on here. And so thank you, everyone, for your patience uh, with not launching a new episode last week and really excited to get to do this one over and uh, share Matt's wisdom with you. So today I have Matthew Scott Kuhlhorn on the show. He is a transformational coach and he does a lot of really incredible men's work, particularly as it pertains to integrating the archetypes of lover, magician, warrior, and king. Um, he has taken some of my classes before, so I've gotten the opportunity to work with him. And today I'm really excited to just get to talk about some different topics that we're both really passionate about um, as it pertains to masculinity, mission, purpose, uh, overcoming the nice guy complex, all kinds of topics that we're, we both share a, a lot of interest in and both have our own kind of uh, perspective and expertise around. So Matt, thank you so much for being back on the show today. It's great to get some extra time to drop in with you. Absolutely, Soraya. I'm really looking forward to our conversation and just getting into the flow. Last time I was a little <laughs> chopped up and um, I think some good things are going to come out of today's conversation. Me too. Yeah, it was a lot of stop and go. So excited to flow today. <laughs> and why don't we just start by giving you the opportunity to share with us a little bit about what you do and how you got into this work and you know what why you do this work. Yeah, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. And you know what I do, I really am an experiential guide, an experiential educator. This has been my background ever since finding it in college about 25, 30 years ago, and really just creating experiences that can then leverage into life skills or different components of life. Mm. Um, ultimately, my journey really kind of kicked in about 11 years ago through some pain and discomfort. I was bringing children into the world. And at that time I was playing what I would call an immature game. Mm. 
and making some silly choices. And they were based out of fear, scarcity, immaturity. And at that time I was going bankrupt Mm -hmm. and just buying things on a credit card that I thought were going to be the solutions. And it, they weren't (laughs) short story (laughs) through that process. I met a mentor of mine and his name's Keith Cunningham. And he's just this very solid businessman. And when I first met him, I could not look at him in the eyes. I couldn't hold eye contact with him. And what I realized then was like, this dude scares the crap out of me. And I had to go work with him. So I spent the money to get down to Austin with him. And, and that really started my wake up because he acted as this brick wall for me. Mm-hmm. And what I think now in reflection was he was the mature masculine that just wasn't letting my immaturity to play anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't shirk him. I couldn't make up a BS story. I had to really own my stuff. And that really started this pursuit of excellence and the delayering of the onion, um, which ultimately led me into multiple people's works, yours included, and brings us full circle to today where I've got you know this core father's program for the reason of being that brick wall for mm-hmm. others that need it. Yes. Because there's so much confusion around what it is to be a masculine man mm-hmm. and the mature masculine. Um, we have lots and lots of role models around there for the immature, I think. Mm-hmm. And the mature masculine is a little harder to find because most of the time those guys are quiet and they're just doing their own thing. Um, the immature masculine is the one that's a bit louder and out front and trying to like, catch everybody's attention. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of distinctions in there, but ultimately, you know, this work is, is for myself and for others that can use it to call forth that mature masculine. And then we start getting this to the youth in their teens and early 20s um, so that they can figure out their financial literacy and, and sexual literacy before decades into their lives. I love that. I, I love that you are bringing it to the younger guys because I can't tell you how many men that I work with are like, why didn't I find this you know, 30, 40 years ago? And I think the less of a lifetime we have to decondition and unravel, the, the easier it is. And so, so important to have meaningful initiations for young men to discover who they are and to step into that true masculine energy. And what a beautiful story to, you know, come face to face with that mature masculine and really recognize the ways that you were living from the immature masculine and having that call out in you, the part of you that was ready to step up. And I think that's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so many people don't have that reflection of what that true mature masculine energy is. And I think actually, why don't we break down a little bit? I know you kind of touched on this already, but the difference between the kind of immature distorted masculine and the mature integrated masculine. I think that would be helpful for our listeners, for anyone who's not familiar with that difference. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll reference in this explanation, a little bit of Elliot Saxby, Mm -hmm. who does some work within the Kundalini space. And he writes about the mature and the immature masculine and feminines. So there's the mature masculine, there's the immature masculine, and then there's also the shadow. Mm. And 
the way I break it down so it's simple is the mature masculine is about the give. Mm. The mature masculine energy gives to the world. They're looking to set up win-win-win scenarios, whether that's through business, relationships, intimacies. It's about the give. The immature masculine is about the take. Mm -hmm. What can I gain from this? Can I take sex? Can I take this money? Making a quick buck interaction. Mm -hmm. And we can kind of see some of the distinctions and then look at, you know, maybe some of the politicking that's going on or even in the just capital economic markets and business and how there's examples of both already out there. Mm -hmm. But then of course there's the shadow and the shadow is where, you know, a lot of the substance abuse addictions might play. Um, it could be a lot of the behind the doors kind of quirks and it's just the shame and blame, mm. if you will. Mm -hmm. um, that's how I might identify the, the shadow. So there's, there's both of those. There's the, the mature feminine, the mature masculine, immature of either one, and then shadows in there. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I think there's, we hear a lot of talk around toxic masculinity, right? And a lot of blame towards the patriarchy and, and that has kind of gotten overly simplified into masculinity is the root of all the problems. Like the masculine is toxic. The masculine is bad. Um, and it's, I've seen it create a lot of confusion for a lot of people and, and for men who are trying to embody their masculinity in a healthy way, but feel ashamed of it or scared of it. Um, or women who are simultaneously emasculating their men, but also wanting to be ravished by him and wondering why he's not stepping up while simultaneously they're kind of cutting his balls off with everything they say. Um, so there's, there's this huge distortion, I think, around what masculinity is and how we understand that as a culture. And so I think it's really beautiful the way you broke this down. Um, and I hadn't heard it phrased in quite that way. Um, one of the things in Taoism, they talk about true yang energy and false yang energy. And they talk about yang energy as, as gifting energy. It is that, that give, like you said, it is that penetrative, active, directive force. Um, and so like a man, you know, gives penetration, gives seed from his cock. And, and that is like, there's a, there's a generosity that they talk about with the yang energy. And we all have a yin and a yang pole. We all have, um, these, these two sides within us regardless of our gender. Um, but I, I love that you brought that attention to that, that give. And I, I also agree that the kind of distorted or like juvenile masculine is very much that take. It comes from a place of scarcity. It comes from a place of like, I have to jump on this opportunity, whether it's sex or money or whatever it is, even if it doesn't feel in alignment because I'm worried nothing else will come along. And so it's kind of this got to get it where I can energy that often steps out of integrity and doesn't have that overview of the mature masculine that knows like, Hey kid, there's going to be plenty of sex. There's going to be plenty of money. There's going to be plenty of opportunity. Like this isn't your last right. opportunity to have sex. It's okay. Like you don't need to, you don't need to push it. You don't need to, it's, it's like, there's, there's a deeper cultivated awareness there with the mature masculine. Um, <clears throat> so I think often that, that, 
that taking and that scarcity is actually um, a distrust in the feminine. It's like a distrust in abundance and in mystery and in trusting what we can't see or yet know, but just trusting that there will be more. I can't quite see you know, what, what the other job opportunity that might arise is, but I can see that this one isn't right for me. And so I'm going to trust the mystery and trust my intuition on that. Um, so I, yeah, I think there's, uh, the, the true masculine, the mature masculine is so, so beautiful and rich and such a powerful energy. And I think it's, uh, just a, a really beautiful endeavor to shed light on that and help people come back into the understanding of what that is. And I think, a lot of people think masculine as like aggressive, dominating, um, things like this. And, and there are healthy places for like consensual aggression or domination. There are containers where that can express in a healthy way. But if it's like a non-consensual aggression and domination, that is not the mature masculine energy. The mature masculine energy is assertive and empowered and censored, but not at the expense of other people. Yes. And you, you already mentioned the feminine masculine energies, they're, they're both contained within mm -hmm. us as, as humans. So, you know, in sexuality, like that can play out both ways. Yes. The feminine can be dominating, mm -hmm. the masculine can be dominant, right? And that's just an expression of those masculine feminine energies, regardless of the actual sex and orientation. Exactly. And you spoke about, you know, confusion around masculinity and, you know, there's, there's a lot to unravel in this, but from my experience, this is something that's recently been, uh, observed and reflected upon because my story, when I was 13, my parents divorced. And from my 13 year old perspective, I saw that as my mom kicking my dad out. Mm. And then I got some messaging or I perceived messaging that basically told me that when I was bad or annoying my mom, that I was like my dad and thus mm -hmm. like masculine. Yep. And so I created this meaning and that's all we are. We, we make meanings. So I created this mat, this meaning that masculinity was bad, mm -hmm. potentially dangerous. Yep. Around the same time, and I would never recommend this, she and I, we both sat down and we watched Clockwork Orange. <laughs> I had to rewatch the rape scene in that movie as a 44-year-old man to wrap my head around what a 13-year-old version of me may have taken from that. Wow. And again, masculinity is bad. Masculinity is dangerous, mm -hmm. uncontrollable. And like at that time, I learned to please my mom because I didn't want to get kicked out. Right. This is all the meaning making of 13 year old Matt. And as this journey goes, I'm unraveling this stuff and, and starting to put the connections together. Like, huh. Okay. So if I'm pleasing my mom and then I couple with my now wife and I'm pleasing my wife, well, that kind of makes sense because it's just this pattern. Yes. Right. And I'm not aware of the pattern until I have that awareness. Right. And with that awareness, I can start making shifts. But I really had to reconcile within myself self-love mm. and a real accountability of worthiness. And that is something that mature masculine and mature feminine energies can do for the immature. Mm -hmm. We can hold that space <clears throat> and call them forward. And it's now what I do for my 13-year-old daughter when I see her in her immature feminine. I can 
play the mature masculine yes. and call her forward into more maturity. Yes. And for the immature boy, especially the hurt boy, it's the mature feminine that can mother and give space to heal the boy so the man can rise. Mm. And in the dynamic of the world, it's really fascinating to me because right now, like I feel this mission coming through me to help men embody their masculine and that king-like energy. And it's so that, you know, conversely, they both have to happen almost simultaneous that the mature feminine can arise as well. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, there's lots of healing between the, the two feminine and masculine because of all the damage that's played out over the, the millennial. Yeah. Um, and it might just be this ongoing dance. Mm-hmm. I don't know for, for, you know, cycles. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think humanity has cycled through many different variations of the relationship between masculine and feminine and that there's been periods of matriarchy and patriarchy and everything in between. And it's so, um, so fascinating to just hear about your journey with your mom and your dad and what we observe when we're young and how that gets internalized and it becomes this deeply unconscious thing that we're not totally aware of. And, you know, we all pick that up from our parents in some way or another and then transfer it onto our romantic relationships. And then that's not sexy. That disrupts polarity. And so that's part of the work of relationship is to, to weed out some of the patterns that we are playing out from our childhood and our parents with, um, our beloveds and, you know, it's, it it totally makes sense that you would equate like masculinity as being dangerous and even speaking to it being out of control with that rape scene. And I think this is a really Mm -hmm. other interesting piece to touch on is that male sexual energy is the element of fire, according to the Taoists and untamed fire burns down the world, channeled fire Mm -hmm. fuels it illuminates it, warms it. It is this, I mean, our, our capacity as humans to work with fire, when we learned to do that, it changed the world forever for better or worse. There are ways that we have not been responsible with that. And there are ways in which we've been able to propel incredible innovation. And so I think there's, there, there can be this judgment that masculine sexual energy is dangerous, that it's out of control. And for men, their yang directive pole is in their cock. They are led by their sexual energy. And that's only problematic if it's disintegrated, if it's not connected with heart and consciousness. And so without you having yes. a model of what that looks like and, and kind of coming into the world and, and then only having pieces of your parents' dynamic that you were aware of, you know, you didn't have the full picture and what was actually going on and the way that some of this can be internalized um, can be a perfect storm for being, you know, ashamed of masculinity and not knowing how to step into it effectively. Yes. And that disconnect is really, really real when there's shame or even not so much shame, but lack of communication around sexuality Mm -hmm. and body parts. And that was my experience. We didn't talk a lot about sex within our family. I didn't hear about sex from my dad or my mom. Mm. I just had this sexual education at school and then it was left up to everything else. Yep. And so I created my own reality to it. Mm-hmm. But recently I've had this experience where it was a really deep cleaning out so that I could truly connect my heart with my cock. Mm. And it changed 
so much. It changed how I walked. Wow. Because before then, I was very much in my head. And this is, I'd even go back a couple of years because I found Destin Garrick's work around sexual mastery. And this is right before I found your work. And there's some similarities in that with the embodiment. Mm. And by getting embodied and connecting with heart and body, like that starts making everything um, just more connected. Yes. Right. And it's, and that's the piece that is really, really powerful because I can do no harm if I am connected with my heart. Mm -hmm. And with that disconnect, that's when things can go sideways or the shadow gets played and real harm could occur. Um, and I love how you tie in, you know, with so much history. And so I just wanted to applaud you on that too. Just the fact of fire and masculinity is fire and this history of fire. I found that really fascinating. Mm. Um, but that connection point I just wanted to make. And, um, it, it's so real that, you know, I walk differently because yes, you know, the, heart expression. This is another concept I recently heard with women. Their outwardly heart expression is through their breasts. Mm -hmm. With with men, outwardly heart expression is with our cock. Yep. And when I heard that, it made complete sense. And, and by connecting them all together, um, that's where I can embody the, the masculine that can really be powerful and do destruction, but it's not going to because it's so connected here. Right. And my heart is connected with my cock and my hands and they all play together. Right. And it's, it's such a powerful energy that, you know, one of the things I explain to men when it comes to being um, dominating in the bedroom, when they want to bring forth that energy in a healthy way and that's like desired from their partner it's, it's all about it being connected to your heart and your consciousness. Because if you are being dominating with only your cock and your heart's not in it and you're not conscious and aware of what's going on with your lover and maybe you're like in your head projecting some porn fantasy or something like this, that's where things are going to be really terrifying on your lover's end and where it's going to feel disintegrated and scary and um, not not the kind of connection that they're desiring, but when they trust this this energy that has the capacity to be destructive, um, but is also that that creative life force. It's constructive as well. When you channel that with your heart and your consciousness, that is a really sexy energy to bring forth, and that's a place where like that masculine domination and aggression within the proper container when it's fueled by love when it's anchored in consciousness like there is a completely different expression that comes through that can allow your lover to surrender and open because there's such a deep trust she's gonna know you're fully here you're not off in your head somewhere you are in your body and you are in your heart and you're right here and and that allows for just totally different expression of that masculine energy totally different I feel like I'm so late to the game and this is why I want to get some of this information. My boy is 10 mm -hmm. and when he's ready and the conversation's already started, but it's just going to go deeper and deeper because I want him to know what real sexuality is. Yes. And I want him to know that an orgasm is different from an ejaculation. Mm -hmm. And I want him to know that he has this fire and power and yet 
with his heart, a depth that I don't think, as far as I know, and in, through talking with other people, has ever been like touched the bottom of. And what I mean by that is knowing what I know now, when I connect with my wife and we get to this space where we're both there, it's present, right? And that erotic energy is there. The is you're unable to express it in any video form. You can't even put it into words. Yeah. The depth keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's just like, man, feels like we're at the depth, of it, but then another layer opens up and it just keeps going. And it's so incredibly beautiful, powerful. And that's kind of information that I'm really excited to get to, to younger folks so that society is selling in a form of sexiness mm -hmm. and it's very heady. It's very visual, mm -hmm. but real sexuality is, is depth. And there is an expression that is just, you can't put into words. Absolutely. And all of those subtleties and those true expressions of intimacy are things that you're not going to see in porn and that the camera is not going to be able to pick totally. up the, the deeper layers of that. And so many of the ways that people are being initiated into their sexuality is through these very like two dimensional, um, theatrical representations of it that don't even touch the surface of what it is and can be. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I love that you have the opportunity to bring your son into a different understanding. That's so exciting. It is exciting. And the interesting thing that I've already noticed is, you know, so he's, he's 10 mm -hmm. and I had my own version of myself 10 years ago. And I know that, you know, while I'm going through my own journey, he's picking up nuances and he's watching and he's seeing things from me as I go through this journey. Mm -hmm. Right. So five years ago, that version of Matt taught him what that version of Matt knew. Mm -hmm. So he's picking up on that. So he's also picking up on the collective. And I, and I firmly believe that there is this collective that just gets sunk in. And that could be whether it's through TV movies, you know, the way teachers talk society. Um, it makes me think of maybe it might be a side tangent of some experiment I'm recalling where, you know, after a hundred animals on the island learned a new trick, all of a sudden every thousands of animals knew the trick. Oh, like wow. that's the collective. And and I can see that in him, right? So he has his own karma, his own journey ahead of him. It's not that he's totally blown open and clear right now at 10. Mm -hmm. And it's really fascinating to me because he already has a little bit of reservation. Like if I'm asking him about his erections or wanting to try to talk to him, I can always already sense there's a little bit of whatever around it, Yeah. but I'm going to keep piercing, right? Because now I've got this presence and I just keep bringing it up, but I find it really interesting um, that, you know, the kids can just get this information so quickly whether it's directly from me and my past versions or this collective, um, but he's going to have his own stuff to work through. And I'm just excited to be as present as I can with him on that. Oh, that's so awesome. That's so exciting. <laughs> yeah. I think um, most of, most of us did not come into any sort of meaningful initiation with our sexuality. And so it's, it's exciting that we get to offer that to the younger generations. 
Mm-hmm. And that initiation piece, being really intentional on those initiations, yes. I think is one of my main focuses. Absolutely. And that you get to be an example of, of the embodied mature masculine for him uh, that maybe you didn't come face to face with until, you know, you were already had children of your own. So it's, totally. it's pretty cool. It's like totally. we get to create these springboards for them where they get to launch from all the work that we've done. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So how did you, I'm curious, how did that journey go of being in this dynamic where you felt like you had to please your mom or you were going to get kicked out of the house and then how that transferred into relationship with your wife and, and how did that unfold and how did you navigate that? Uh, it was really bumpy, <laughs> you know, to give it some summaries, I'm sure I could bounce all over for hours on it. When, when Annie, my wife and I connected, you know, there's that real excitement, there's passion, we get married we go through trying to figure out where we're going to settle and you know, we decide to have children. Now at that time in our dynamic, she was deciding to have children. Mm. She also had massive experience with doula and supporting home births. And she knew about the, the female body and, and babies and how they came into the world. And she's seen a lot of this action. So she was a real driver, the real leader. Mm-hmm. And, like I was totally fine with that because I was scared shitless. Yeah. As the babies came around, that's when spirit kicked into Matt. I was like, dude, you got to get going, figure this money game out. Like, what are you doing? Where are you at? And that just created this fire. So I started trying to figure it out, trial and error. Ultimately, the dynamic between my wife and I got really uncomfortable. And I experienced every sexual dysfunction there was. Mm. And yet I would go and um, test my testosterone levels, test everything I could possibly test, right? The external stuff. I was like, what could it be? And I'm looking outside. And really what I realized was that impotence and D was just this psychological response Mm -hmm. to the internal game. And it only got corrected when I went internal and there's certainly lots of pains that can happen in a relationship over time Mm -hmm. and those can build up and we can make meanings to those pains. And until the internal stuff is really recognized and reckoned with and these long-term patterns seen of, yeah, that's, I, I was pleasing my mom. So I didn't get kicked out of the house and I never shifted that behavior even into my 20s and my 30s. Yes. So of course that's going to create some kind of conflict. Mm-hmm. And um, the one thing you know that I'm so grateful for is you know both Annie and I stayed committed mm-hmm. during the time of really strong conflicts and uncomfortableness. We certainly teased the idea of splitting up, and I think a lot of people do this, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's easier to split up. But what I realized was, man, if I want to split up now, the chances of me going and finding another partner, having the exact same experience again is really, really high. Yes. <laughs> and somehow I had this awareness of like, yeah, it's, it's likely me and not anything outside of me. 
So that's what I've really just anchored into going deeper on the work and, you know, real embodiment practices and breath work was so critical to engage the warrior and the magician through meditation and, um, plant-based journeys was a part of this mm-hmm. and working with masters in the sexual dynamic realm. Um, all of it played, right? All of it played and it's all on the inside game in order to reflect anew on the outside. Mm. Like the dysfunctions that I was experiencing were a freaking mirror of the dysfunctions that were going on inside. Yes. Well said. I'm really grateful you brought that up because it's such a common story for so many men to be having these sexual quote unquote dysfunctions and going to their doctor and everything's checking out as normal and they're not sure what's going on. And doctors are so quick to be like, oh, I'll just prescribe you a pill for this. And you know, to, to not often, often not even check the things they should be checking. They'll still prescribe the pill even without checking the testosterone and the other things. Um, but Mm -hmm. there, there are so many factors that play into it. And one of the first things I always ask men is, uh, when they come to me with some sort of ED, PE and orgasmia issue is what's your relationship with porn. That's like one of the first qualifying factors. Mm -hmm. And then it's things like, yeah, what's your relationship with finances and your ability to like be a provider and to support yourself? What's your relationship with your lover? If you have one, what's your relationship with your body? What's your diet and exercise? Like your, your mission, your mission and purpose, like your sense of, um, centeredness and agency in the world, all of these things play into it. And if you're feeling out of control in life or in your relationship or at work, and you feel like the life force is being sucked out of you, that's going to manifest physically through premature ejaculation. If you feel insecure as a provider and there's a lot of strain on your root chakra to be able to provide for yourself, there's going to be ED issues because your body's like, hey, we don't want to risk procreating right now. Like we don't need another kid in the picture that is going to add to this stress. So, you know, the body has such a deep wisdom and I love that you were able to see all the different pieces in your life that were playing into that and, and work on it from the inside out and recognizing that that problem would have come up in another relationship. And, and oftentimes when we, that's, that's how it goes. Like with any problem, I mean, of course there are, there are true like impasses and incompatibilities between people, but there are certain things where it's like, hold on a minute, this is mine. And if I, if I don't do the work with this person to sort it out, regardless of if we stay together or not, that's work I'm going to have to do with somebody else. And so I might as well do it while I'm here and see where it takes us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You mentioned porn. And for me, it was around cannabis. And that was my big numbing tool. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many different ways to numb and distract, mm-hmm. right? And that's a way of not sitting in that discomfort, not recognizing the internal work. And, um, you know, w- when I reference Keith Cunningham as, as that wall, like that was a real opportunity for me. I couldn't squirm out of it. There was no way I could just numb it down in that moment. I really had to sit be like, mm. and then of course it's this journey. So there's, there's cycles to that as well. Um, but 
especially today, it's so easy to distract from the internal work Mm -hmm. and look outside. So that's so true. Yeah. And I, I always, you know, say relationship starts with self and branches out from there. And a lot of people are like, can I work with you if I'm single or, you know, like, do I need to have a partner? And like a lot of times I'm like, you know, being single is a great time to focus on it because you have that extra time and energy to put towards yourself. And, and you need to do that regardless of if you're in a relationship or not, you have to do that internal work first. You can't just focus on the relationship and, and ignore what's going on internally. And so, you know, that's the thing for a lot of people is just numbing in various different ways and then wondering why their sex life isn't how they want it to be. It's like, well, if you're not being present in your day to day, if you're not receptive in your day to day, why do you expect to be like that in the bedroom? So it's, you know, something we have to practice across the board. Totally. Totally. I also appreciated how you connected that, you know, your questioning is, is looking broader. So you're asking about finances Hmm. and, there's absolutely a connection there with root chakra, with sexuality, with finance. It definitely goes hand in hand. And along my journey, you know, I had the ability to start a business and during the early years of the business, my wife and I are still having these conflicts. I'm still having these quote unquote dysfunctions or just mirrors held up to say, yo, dude, there's more work to do. Mm -hmm. And as I continue to de-layer, you know, and get more clearer and have a, a a more in-tuned ability to connect with myself and then my partner, turns out business got a little bit easier and a little bit more effective. And it's really, really, um, wild how they, they all play together. (laughs) They do. They are so interconnected. Yeah, it's it's precisely why I call it holistic sex and relationship coaching that I do. And even that feels like it's falling short of encompassing how it all interconnects. But it's it's wild the way that you'll be working on this piece of your life over here and then you'll see it ripple into this piece over there. And it, it is all such an interconnected approach and we can't isolate our sexual issues to something that's just happening in the bedroom. It's It's so connected to how we're showing up in the other areas of our life and the work that we do on our sexuality will benefit us elsewhere as well as you've seen. So how cool to get to uh, feel a personal example of that. Yeah. So um, I would, I would love to hear a little bit more about, let's get into the archetypes of the lover, magician, warrior, and king. I know that's something you focus on a lot and I I love playing with those archetypes. So do you want to share a little bit about those? So with regard to archetypes, where I start is with the warrior. And when I met the brick wall of my mentor, Keith, a number of years ago, at that time, I chose to do a thousand pushups in a month. And I broke down the math into 33 plus per day. And I did the work. And that is the work. And that is the engagement of the warrior. It's the start. Um, the warrior can deepen and go into many levels of depth with breath and continues to evolve. But at the very onset, especially for men, engaging the warrior is going to engage that integrity mm-hmm. and becoming impeccable with word. 
Yes. And when we can start doing what we say we're going to do, we build certainty in ourselves and the trust in self. And then we can move into the magician archetype who says what they're going to do and goes and does it. And this is the art of manifestation. The magician is the one who can connect with soul. It's also the internal belief maker and becoming aware of some of the limiting beliefs so that we can supplant them with new beliefs that are more mm -hmm. empowering. These can be sometimes termed affirmations or incantations and there's different mixes of reviews out there. But when we put the, the magician and the warrior together, utilizing the warrior, you know, soon after doing my pushups, I found boxing and boxing was this physical outlet that I could go, I could work on bags. It was a physical practice that I could master and see improvement on. But more importantly, I brought in the magician. So I would take some of the new software that I wanted to install and I would be yelling at myself, talking to myself, getting very like expressed physically so that I can embody the new beliefs that I wanted mm -hmm. to embody. And the third archetype that I move folks into is the lover. Having the certainty locked in through the warrior and this ability to connect with soul and start remembering who we are, we have this ability to then engage our hearts and connect with others. Mm -hmm. And the lover is still embodied and can be expressed sexually, but also um, is connected and looking for win-wins, looking for that give type of perspective. The king archetype to me is the embodiment of all three of those and this integration so that as I play the king archetype, like I can pull out the warrior as needed. Like if my kid needed something, man, the warrior would be right there. Mm. Um, the magician can be utilized to visualize whether that's a different future for my family or an impact in my community or a vision for my business. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, the king can also be a, a tenacious lover and just connect mm -hmm. with others, look for win-win-wins, um, take his queen to a whole different level and um, just embody that, that reign of kingdom, if you will. And it's mm -hmm. really, for me, the, the big distinction is from uncertainty, from where Matt was certainly 10 years ago, feeling very uncertain, lots of self-doubt to absolute certainty. Like I cannot control what's going to play out in the White House or the internal country conflict or the economics or any dynamic with China, right? But there's so much outside noise that can create uncertainty mm -hmm. unless there's this anchor, this remembrance, this just poise of what I would refer as that king archetype embodying those other three of that mm -hmm. mature masculine energy um, that's just unshakable. Yes. Yes. And that is that's such a, a powerful expression of that true masculine energy that he can stay centered and hold his ground in the face of his woman's emotions or the chaos in the world or yes. the challenges that he's faced. He's, he's rooted in self. Yes. Yes. So I have a question. Is it what happens if a man is embodying his lover archetype, but is out of touch with his warrior and magician archetype? Like what happens there? 
Have you have you experienced that? Like Good with yourself question. or with anyone else? Good question. I can't say that I've truly experienced that outside of um I think that's the first time I've ever been asked that question. So it's probably a question I'm going to carry for a few days now. Off the cuff, though, if I were to be completely embodied with lover and none of the others, mm. and I probably have been, um, I would think that that version of matter or that individual would be all about um, almost to the point of irresponsible pleasure. Yeah. Yeah, and I could even see it getting into that realm of like people pleaser again, um, of of like not having that rootedness in self and and getting too wrapped up in other. And you know, I, I kind of asked this question as just like something for us to explore together, um, yeah. because I, I think you know the question has arisen for me, um, and and for my partner over the years. He he had a question like as we um, we were together in our early twenties and we <clears throat> came back together when we were 26 and 27, I think. And um, he had the question within himself of, am I ready to enter a serious relationship right now? Being that like, I have not built my kingdom. I don't feel solid in a sense of career and purpose. I have all this work I need to do on myself. Do I really have the capacity to enter this relationship? Do I have the business entering this relationship without tending to these other pieces first? And I think it's a very interesting question to explore because I think we learn so much through relationship and our relationship has very much been one of calling each other higher. We have grown so much together. We've both built our careers within the container of our relationship. And <clears throat> that has been very hard on our relationship, you know, being <clears throat> two people building businesses within the context of a relationship and kind of doing that together rather than having had some of that established prior to that connection. And so I don't think there's like a right or a wrong way to do it, but I think it's worthy of exploration because I do think that sometimes being in relationship almost prematurely when you don't have, and, and it's, it's not that he didn't have warrior or magician dialed in at all. He, I'd say he was very much working with magician and, um, and some elements of warrior too, for sure. But it's like if you are sometimes relationship can be a distraction from that mission and purpose. Um, sometimes it can derail it entirely. And sometimes it's, it's hard to be like, okay, I'm really building all the elements that integrate into King and also have the capacity to tend to the relationship to the extent that it requires. And I think both of us saw our dads very much neglect um, their intimacy with their wife and their families in order to be a provider. And mm -hmm. I totally see why they did that. And that, that is like part of the masculine's, um, inclination is, is to provide and to protect and these sort of things, but it, it came at the expense of the lover. Um, so I, I think like we can get imbalanced in, in any of these archetypes and kind of leave one hanging behind. And yeah, I just wanted to kind of bring that up for us to explore together. Yeah. So there's a couple of things in there <clears throat> and I, I would agree. I heard somebody reference the only time you're in balance is when you're dead. 
<laughs> and I think there's some truth to that because yep. while I can balance out a day, I can balance out months. Like there's going to be times where that pendulum goes all, you know, one side or the other. Um, it sounds like your partner had some great awareness going into the relationship again. I did not have that. Like I was going through quote unquote, the motions in a very real way. Like I was like, yeah, I'm 29. Like it should be time to get married. Like this, this is what society <laughs> wants or what, blah, blah. Right. like it's just going through the motions. So to have that awareness is really cool. And then, like you said earlier, an intimate relationship is so much of that mirror and it creates the perspectives for us to go and do the work. Mm -hmm. Um, I know one thing for me, and I have no idea where I got this. I think this is potentially my spirit, um, but I did not want to settle. And thankfully my wife did not want to settle either. Like it would have mm -hmm. been way easier to couple, you know, have the first few years of, of great intimacy and some adventure. And then we settle down and have kids and then we become friends and maybe we're like roommates, right? Like mm -hmm. I see this all the time. Mm -hmm. And all maybe the time. there's sex once a month, but it's like five minutes and you're done. And it's like, oh, it's enough, more to so check it off the shame. list. Right. right. Yeah. Right. And then you, and then you, you, you play on. Right. Um, but for, for whatever reason, I did not want to settle. I didn't want to settle in career. I didn't want a ceiling over my head. I don't want to settle with my wife. I know that the version that's speaking with you today of Matt is not going to be the version that's here next week, much less five years from now, right? Like yes. the journey of, of King and all these archetypes, the archetypes I think are just a frame of reference, right? Like they're, they're a term so that we can kind of speak about the unspeakable. Mm -hmm. And the warrior in my mind is really about the integrity and the ability to say no. And if, mm -hmm. if I'm in lover space the whole time, like I'm saying yes to just about yes. everything. And so it's, it's this balance, um, in order to go somewhere. And that's the beautiful thing about a spiritual life is to go and do something with it. So when I wake up in the morning, I say, thank you. I'm here to serve. I'm here to go do something. And, mm -hmm. and that drives me through this journey, which is why I can say the version of Matt next week and five years from now is not going to be the same version. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I just would never tolerate that. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I think what you said to the, the warrior being able to say no and the lover always saying yes I think when we look at the nice guy complex of the, the man who is, yeah, just always a yes man, even when he's not, even when he mm -hmm. wants to say no, that that probably is the lover out of connection with the warrior. And so needing to channel both of those um, because, you know, you speak to the warrior being about integrity and following through with your word. And it's not an integrity to say yes when you mean no. And if somebody can't trust your yes, or if somebody can't trust your no, they can't trust your yes and, and vice versa. It's like, it's, there, there is something very untrustworthy about the nice guy, even though it seems to be coming from good intentions of, oh, I just want right. to please, but there's actually the selfish intention underneath of, I want to be loved. I want to be liked. I don't want to get kicked out of the house. Um, yes. I, I, I want to do everything right. And it's needing 
a particular response from everyone else rather than letting that be their own business, how they respond to your authenticity. Yes. Yes. So for the business owners that are leading teams, listening to this, make your yes, your yes, and your no, your no, and mm -hmm. you'll gain a lot of trust and followership with just that alone. Mm -hmm. And then you touched on the pleaser and not being totally able to trust the pleaser. And what I recognized in my um, cycles of habit was that I really fell in love with my martyr. Mm. And the martyr is, can be a pleaser mm -hmm. and is also going to do all the things so that they can like fall on the sword at the end of the day and be like, oh, for me kind of deal, yeah. whether that's verbally expressed or not, there's just a little notch right in the back of the mind. And what I found was that the martyr wants the same thing as my spirit. They both mm. want to be seen. Mm. And if I am not loving myself and seeing myself and allowing myself to be seen, um, I think that's where my martyr started to really play because the martyr was going to be like, oh man, we're going to get you seen, man. <laughs> and it's just, it's just a funny, you know, when I, when I had this realization, it's a very aha moment, like, oh yeah, the martyr, like go and talk to your martyr and you realize what does the martyr want? The martyr wants to be seen. What does spirit want? The spirit wants to be seen too, just in a different mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. same thing. So it's like uh, the when I made that Yeah, exactly. When I made that recognition, like I could put the martyr back in the, you know, back rows of the bus and be like, martyr, you don't need to drive anymore. You're good, dude. Like tap out. <laughs> yes. Well, and it's, it's, it's interesting too. It's like the martyr and the pleaser. It's not that mature masculine that is coming from the give. It's coming from the give to get. It's yes. not a true generosity. It's, That's right. I just did all these things for you and you still won't have sex with me. There's like yes. this, this expectation and it actually repels further what we want. And mm -hmm. there's, there's a need to take that deep self-responsibility and to create a clear container through our authentic expression. And so I think that that warrior, that integrity, that following through with your word, the having boundaries that is what creates the clear container. And I really like the example of partner dance to explore like the, the dance of yin and yang and the necessity of a yang container in order for yin energy to flow in a free, surrendered, expressive way. Because if you're dancing and the lead is wobbly in his container and he's not sure of himself and he's second guessing himself, you're not going to give your weight to him because you're worried he's going to drop you on your ass. And there is no ability to surrender into that free flow unless you are very clear as to where the edges are. And then you can press against them and you can really play with them. And so, you know, water could swirl this water around in this bottle and it can do all these crazy things inside of here because there's a clear container. As soon as I open the container, the water is going to spill all over the floor and it doesn't have the same capacity to express. And so um, I think knowing your boundaries and being so true to them is always going to be 
your, your authenticity is a filter. Like people who don't love you for your authenticity aren't your, aren't your people. It's like not your, it's not your business to worry about really. It's like you be yourself, you do the best you can. Of course we can take feedback and reflections from the people we love and we, we learn and grow and we see things about ourselves. But if, if somebody doesn't respect our no, if somebody expects us to always be at their whim, they're not going to respect us. And that's something that the nice guy is often lacking. There's, there's not a respect. And so that diminishes polarity and there's not those two unique charges that can dance and generate energy together because one of those charges is diluted by trying to be what they think the other one wants. But the reason those two people came together to begin with is because of the unique charges that each of them were operating at that they were attracted to, to begin with. So it's like, if you abandon who you were to begin with, you're no longer showing up in relationship as the person that even attracted them in, in the first place. So, yes, yes. Yeah. I love the analogy of the container. Mm. That's good. It allows for a lot, a lot more, uh, safety, you know, and, and knowing that there is, you're going to be held. You're not going to be dropped. Mm -hmm. it, it, it builds trust. Yeah, yeah. And some of the juice in life and in sex is pressing into those edges and exploring yes. the edges. Exactly. And that's where, that's where growth is to go mm -hmm. beyond a comfort zone in a safe contained manner. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I love that you were able to find that within yourself of really following through with what you were saying you were going to do and then continuing to build that confidence in yourself, continuing to show yourself what you're really made of. And then that gets to ripple out and expand into your relationships, into your work, into the way you show up with other people. Um, but if, if we neglect that internal work, we're not going to be able to show up in that, that King integrated archetype. Totally. I've been talking to a number of different men lately and you know, there's this common theme of allowing the external to kind of drive the attention. Mm. And it just, again, anchors in the, there's a lot of achievers in the world that are achieving external things, whether it's material, mm -hmm. whether it's sexual, whether it's financial, and there's still that feeling of emptiness. There's a void. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think it's because they're looking the wrong way. And once we can, you know, do that internal work and find the bedrock of, of who we are, who we really are, then we can really become who we need to become in order for what it is we want to experience. And mm -hmm. the achievers, um, you know, can find their fulfillment in the things <laughs> versus trying to find all the things in order to fill in whatever void they're trying to fill yes. in. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm curious, how, how does the toxic or the immature feminine and the mature feminine tie into all of this? Because we've talked a lot about kind of the distorted masculine expressions. Um, how, how have you seen this play out in your journey into stepping into that King archetype and really learning to embody that mature masculine energy? Um, like how, how does the mature masculine interface with, uh, immature feminine or feminine shadow? Great question. 
again, like we embody all of them. Mm-hmm. And so they're all within. And on the interfacing, what I would say, again, is is reflecting back to Elliot Saxby a bit, because when he puts this into kind of a quadrant, that mature mm-hmm. feminine masculine up on top, immature feminine masculine on the bottom, there's a diagonal relationship. Mm-hmm. And the mature masculine can certainly be the boundary for the immature feminine to thus call her into the mature feminine. And I'm trying to come up with some, some real examples because I know that this dynamic, it's gone both ways with my relationship with my wife. Mm-hmm. There's been times where she's been in immature. I've been in my mature, um, and vice versa. I've been immature. Mm-hmm. She's been in her mature. Right. And then we can, we can kind of flip flop within feminine masculine. So it's, it's, I'm not be having a really clear, concise answer. Um, but I think my point is, you know, those diagonal relationships, I think is really real and the mature masculine, like if I, if I hold that space, if, if my wife drops into her immature, like maybe she's feeling overworked or whatever, and she gets this sense of, of neediness or even a little bit of, of martyr in some ways of, of mm-hmm. doing all the things, um, I can, I can hold this space and that creates a container her to rise into her mature feminine mm-hmm. and if we're both playing in our in our matures that's where you know sexy polarity can happen and also if we're both playing in our immatures that can happen as well and so there is a component here of having a healthy immature and and there isn't a bad or good right mm-hmm. there just is and it's an awareness game because if we're both in our immature, that can be real good polarity too. Um, but then we can we can flip flop back and forth and and actually be calling each other up, and um, it's an interesting dynamic, and it and it moves. Yeah, how I guess to kind of break some of that down, how would you say the immature or the feminine shadow expresses versus the mature feminine? Like, what would be the difference there? And we can both kind of unpack this together. Yeah, I'm excited to hear your unpacking of it because um, I don't think I've given it a, enough thought. Mm. But I do know that the immature feminine, you know, on some level can be potentially uh, needy or wanting. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is... I think of the feminine energy as wanting to be appreciated and seen all the time. And, mm-hmm. and she should be, it's freaking beautiful. When feminine is in the mature and embodying the, the mature, the perspective is that there's already wholeness and that appreciation and attention can come from within and doesn't need to be felt seen from the outside necessarily. Um, so that's what I mean by kind of neediness and, and clingy style energy in the immature. Mm-hmm. Um, the mature is whole and, you know, the term mother comes up to a degree, like there's a nurturing, there's a, there's enough to go around 
and, uh, you know, to just be a wholesome, always there. That's how I would, that's how I would unpack it, but I probably should yeah. do a little bit more work on that. How would you? No, I appreciate that? you sharing that. I really liked the distinction between like, so that the feminine part of her nature is to be in a place of deep longing and wanting that connection in the same way that the masculine is very driven towards purpose and mission. And again, we all have both of these inside of us, mm -hmm. um, to varying degrees. Some people are much more, uh, you know, devoted to one or the other or pulled by one or the other. Some people are, are kind of more in between, but, um, the, I, I liked that distinction you drew because one of the things that I talk about sometimes is part of being empowered in your sexual energy as a woman is not leaving an openness to where you're leaking your sexual energy because of an unconscious need for attention and therefore being vulnerable to unwanted interactions, unwanted, consciously unwanted, but unconsciously part of you actually does want that because it's attention. Yeah. So if a woman is not strong and, and men can do this as well, but this is something that I've, that was a part of my journey is like, I would attract unwanted male attention and I felt very vulnerable and disempowered but because I had low self-worth there was a part of me that enjoyed it um, that felt validated by it but also was intimidated by it grossed out by it whatever because it was often coming in expressions that did not feel good but for every conscious desire there's an equal and opposite unconscious desire and you know there was a piece of me that really wanted to feel more empowered in that realm but needed that validation externally. And I think where that shifts into the mature feminine is allowing yourself to be filled by the divine, by God, by spirit, however you want to call it. There is a being in union with, with all that is. There is that wholeness, that fulfillment, as you said, that isn't dependent upon who checked you out or complimented you, but is dependent in this deep knowing within yourself. And then you close up those energy leaks because you're no longer wanting to have hooks that bring that in to feed a part of you that is unmet and disintegrated. Yeah. So I, I see that one a lot where like even women can even really enjoy complaining about the unwanted attention that they're getting. There's like an enjoyment yeah. in the complaining about it. So I think that's, that's one place where it shifts from immature to mature feminine. Um, I'd say some of like the toxic feminine or toxic shadow components are uh, manipulation, both like sexually and emotionally, um, emasculation. I think, you know, especially through, through the different phases of the patriarchy, I think a lot of women have learned that their emotions and their sexual energy are ways to get what they want and ways to manipulate. But I would imagine that that's been a shadow of the feminine since the beginning of time. And, you know, it has, has been a way of wielding power. Um, you know, I definitely see a lot of women who will create these dynamics of, and again, not just women, men can do this too, but this is like the feminine expression can wield their emotions in a way that makes everyone else walk on eggshells and uh, to kind of maintain control of a situation. So, you know, we, we all have the potential to express these shadow sides of the masculine and the feminine. And I would say the integrated mature feminine is, yeah, holding this vast spectrum of wildness and nurturing and mystery and 
um, receptivity, the ability to flow and receive and intuit and deeply feel. And, and with that comes the whole spectrum of like feeling angry, feeling deep grief, that sacred rage that is like the mama bear protecting her young that also nurtures them so sweetly and tenderly. And, you know, I think there's been a lot of um, shame, shaming of women around anger. And like, that's not ladylike. That's you look ugly when you're angry. Like this is something so many women grow up with that conditioning and anger is seen to be a more acceptable masculine emotion. Whereas, you know, men are often shamed for having any emotion but anger. And so uh, there's, there's a lot of ways this plays out, but I think the feminine does have like that full capacity uh spectrum to to feel and to express and to be in motion and we all have all of that within us yeah that's beautiful i love that i love that you mentioned something in there that was really cool i want to pull out as far as i think the way you phrased it was for every conscious awareness there's a subconscious Mm, for every conscious desire there's an equal and opposite unconscious desire when I hear that, it reminds me of how I consider love. And I think this is an important piece because we're talking about, you know, different sides of the same coin, basically. Mm-hmm. We're talking about awareness. Yep. Um, and this is Demartini talks about love as this wave. I think everything we see, every all the physical, it's, it's a wave. Mm-hmm. And true love is... Like for me, it's the time where my two-year-old daughter is up on stage at a dance recital and I'm just overcome with tears. And it's a mm-hmm. mix of of joy and relief and grief and all of these different feels. Because what I think is happening is there's this really high moment of like joy and there's also the really low moment of like, all the challenge and work that goes into raising a kid and, and bringing a kid into the world. And the moment where those tears occur is that collapse. And mm. that's the definition of love. Wow. And if we can get this awareness mm. broad enough and a big enough picture to remember who we are, to clear out our stories so that we're not meaning makers. And we see the conscious and the right? Then we see the highs and when we see the lows and we can get to that real presence. And oftentimes that real presence is like tearing moments, mm-hmm. <laughs> call it happy cry or whatever, but it's that it's just like, wow, kind of in awe. And that, that to me is like this love moment. So I just wanted to pull that out because it, it just struck me. Um, mm-hmm. when we can see both sides of that coin, knowing that yes. we can contain both fully in any given moment. Like, yes, I love that so much. And I, I so often use that metaphor of two sides of the same coin to describe, you know, any non-dual perspective that I talk about, um, as it pertains to like masculine, feminine, good or bad, like all of these things are two sides of the same coin. And I think the more we can see that of like recognizing, you know, as we talk about these different facets of the masculine and feminine and, and that none of them are inherently good or bad. They are just parts of being human that all of us contain. And I think the more that we can all come to peace 
and acceptance with our innate wholeness, with the fact that the yin yang contains the black and the white. The black has a spot of white. The white has a spot of black. They melt into each other. And ultimately they are part of the same circle. Nobody is good. Nobody is bad. Like we all contain the whole. And so striving to be one or the other or expecting ourselves to always embody the mature masculine or the mature feminine, it's unrealistic. We're human and, and we're here to express these different facets. And I think it's really important to come to terms with those within ourselves because Otherwise, that starts to get projected onto other people in the collective in really icky ways where like, oh, how convenient to just blame masculinity for everything totally. without recognizing that we all have these qualities within. And if we uh, have, a, have a distaste or a disgust for the part of us that can be in scarcity or that can be aggressive or that can be manipulative, it's like we, we will never be able to come to a place of love with the other people that we see exhibit those qualities. So um, it's, it's beautiful how we said that all of these components interface within us as well. So not just between like us and our partner or us and a friend, but it's like, you know, sometimes I'm having my mature masculine call out my immature feminine who is maybe having like a brat moment and he's coming through and being like, Hey, keep your heart open. Like let's, let's take the next step forward. Like we don't need to spin out about this. And so we can do that for one another and we can do it um, within ourselves. And I think part of just to kind of circle back to part of the remedy for the nice guy or the people pleaser is to be able to hold that mature masculine in the face of maybe some of that emasculation, that manipulation, and to to root so deeply in your own integrity that you draw a boundary and you say, I'm not going to be talked to in that way. Or if you want to discuss this, I'm going to ask you to come back into your heart or let's let's approach this from a place of love and curiosity instead of the way we're navigating this because this doesn't work for me and there's there's like a an honoring of self in the way that the mature masculine calls forth the call, calls out the immature feminine and asks her to step up mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely i can't help think about the amount of that's in the world right now and it's so heavily or easily seen um because i think it's always there <laughs> it's it has to be always there like all of it is always there and yet right now in in the united states for sure like we have mm -hmm. some internal conflicts there's division yes. there's there's left and right and mm -hmm. it's the same right it's the same coin and so you know as we're as we're referencing the the mature feminine mature masculine for like for me I want to stay in my presence. If something triggers me, I rarely watch the news, but if I did, I'd get triggered every moment probably. And yet it's a mirror. So I can mm -hmm. recognize that that is also me. Mm -hmm. And if I can do that in a way that keeps my heart open and I quote unquote love it, mm -hmm. not that I'm like loving it, you know, what I mean, like it's a big picture kind of love. It's only then when we can start really recognizing and healing and, and making this reconciliation that, that the, um, dramatic expression is calling forward. Absolutely. Well said. And that's just it. It's all a reflection, right? That's, it's, it's, yeah. 
that's a big reason that I, I started that class, the art of transmutation last year, because I was just seeing so much divisiveness and I was like, don't you all see it's two sides of the same coin? Like, <laughs> can we not do this divide and conquer thing? That's just been perpetuated since the beginning of time. And yeah, I think, I think you're right. It, it starts with recognizing that it is a reflection and like, where am I divided within and what are the pieces of myself that I have not integrated? And yes. Yeah, what Starting are the pieces there. I have not integrated? What are the pieces about myself that I have not loved yet? Yes. It's another lesson that comes forth. Absolutely. So what is the only thing consciousness cannot do? The only thing consciousness cannot do? Well, I guess consciousness isn't really the one doing, is it? <laughs> no. The, when I think about this, um, you know, so... So consciousness is, right? Mm -hmm. You just imagine it's just this, this vast of, of whiteness for, for sake of conversation. It could be anything. Mm -hmm. But consciousness itself cannot perceive itself. Right. Until it chooses to bring forth its opposite. <laughs> and then at that time, there's <clears throat> itself, its opposite, and then the isness. Right. And what I think with being human, we have the opportunity for consciousness to perceive itself on so many different levels. So everything that mm -hmm. we see is just another form of that consciousness. It's just another way of saying that, you know, it, we really are connected more than we think we are. We really are the same coin. No matter yes. if I'm left, you're right anywhere in between mm -hmm. the continuum. And it's when I think about the world and I'm an entrepreneur, so I love the business. So I watch economics and I, and I see that we're in a cycle that nobody in this lifetime has experienced because it's a long-term cycle. It's happened many times mm -hmm. before. So I know that at the end of the day, everything's going to be fine, but there's going to just going to be quote unquote crisis or uncomfortableness, whatever individual's mm. experience will be with consciousness in its its art of perceiving itself it literally had to create its opposite in order to have any perception of itself right so in its in its mm. own form its own creation there's this paradox that will never get completed and yes. we can see so many paradoxes in in the physical realm I love paradoxes because as soon as you recognize one component of it, it changes. Mm -hmm. The opportunity that is upon us that is still coming and, and unfolding every day is to transcend the old story. These jumps happen in consciousness and they have happened through history and you can see it and kind of marker it. Um, but it really is an opportunity to create a new and to transcend. So maybe there isn't the the argument left or right, masculine, feminine, right? We just jump forward, transcend mm. it. Mm. And then the conversation's totally new. I don't even know what it would be yet. But we do have to choose as individuals first. And then ultimately, you know, we get to this mass population where we choose to just let go of the story. Mm. Like, hmm. Yeah. 
I think I think where I often look at it is I often see it as if I'm looking at the ridge of the coin rather than one side or the other, and I'm I'm seeing the both and in everything rather yeah. than the either or, yeah, and like recognizing that. that we we are just the many faces of the one creator, the many facets of the one jewel, the the Ouroboros eating its own tail, and you know just this one consciousness cycling in and out of these fractaling different forms and. Um, that perspective has, has changed everything for me. And it first came into my awareness through psychedelics and, and plant medicines. And then when I started diving into the realms of Tantra and Taoism, it was, it was just reflected in, in another language. And so mm -hmm. I think it's so helpful when we can just work to recognize that it's, it's all one and to, to try to integrate all of those pieces of ourselves. There's nothing that needs to get get rid of it. You know, we can't get rid of it. It's like, how do we give every piece of ourselves a place at the table and then yes. do our best to do that for other people as well? Yes. Well, Matt, this has been such an awesome conversation. I'm so glad we got the opportunity to drop in a second time and to do it in a very flow way with very little tech difficulties. We did have some, but <laughs> how can people dive deeper with you? How can we get, get deeper into your world? Yeah, so I'll keep it fairly simple. It's core fathers. Mm -hmm. Core is in like core fathers. Yes. And that's my handle on Instagram. And then it's also a website, corefathers.com. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm excited to engage with those that want to make shifts in how they perceive life, how they believe about themselves. And as I mentioned earlier, like I'm an experiential guide. What I do is I set up a container of experience and that's where we can rattle around in that container, really exploring our own beliefs, our own consciousness and our, our own awareness in order to shift it as we want to shift it. Because I think we are under this guise of the great remembering, if you will. And mm. the quicker we can remember who we really are, like connect with that soul and that depth, that presence is what I also call it. Um, the more anchored we will be. And no matter what shifts happen, we'll have a population of centered people that will guide future generations forward. Absolutely. And you have a program coming up, right? Do you have a program yeah, on the so, Yeah, I have the remembering that's a part of the, a 12-week journey. And mm -hmm. it specifically right now is under core fathers, you know, four men who are those achievers that might feel a little bit empty inside because they're chasing the outside stuff. Mm. And yeah. when those men turn inward and start the inside work, then everything can start falling together like puzzle pieces. So... Again, at corefathers.com, that's a great way to get a hold of me and get more information on the 12-week program. There is a live four-day fire ceremony experience to the 12-week program. And as an experiential educator, like I want to have some pre-work go up and be forming this experience, have this experience. It's going to be a very intentional four-day journey passage and it will move men's consciousness for sure. And then there's mm -hmm. post work. So that transfer back home happens. Um, in that experience, there's going to be breath work. We're going to create masks and identify where we've been playing and then destroy them and 
it's a big fire. <laughs> Ooh, so I, I'm I love really, it. I'm really excited about it. And then, you know, the long-term game here is that the fire ceremony is then an initiation. So this year, year one, it's, it's grown men. They go through and they get initiated. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. as quickly as next year, there's a fire ceremony where someone who is initiated is bringing their son to then initiate, mm-hmm. right? So it becomes this generational thing. And, and that like, man, five, 10 years down, like how many young men will go through this and, and be a part of that kind of shift. I'm really excited for. Oh, I love that. And I, I personally think the lack of proper and meaningful initiation is, is one of the reasons that so many people do get stuck in their yes. immature masculine and feminine. So yes. I love that you are doing this work. I love that you're bringing the younger ones into it and you're such a bright light. And I'm just, I'm so uh, honored to, to get to connect with you and weave with you. And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and some of your personal journey so generously with all of us. Yes. And Surya, I really appreciate how you show up in the world. You have definitely offered me a lot of knowledge and gifts and um yeah i just applaud that so thank you mm, my pleasure thank you so much i'm so grateful to be on this path together and thank you for doing this the second go around yes thank you everyone else for tuning in today on nectar sex and soul and wishing you all a really beautiful day Thank you so much for dropping into Nectar, Sex, and Soul with me today. It's been a pleasure to connect with you. If this episode lit you up or illuminated something impactful for you in some way, I invite you to subscribe, leave a review, and share it with someone you feel would love to hear it. To learn more about my work, check out SoreyaLeonara.com, sign up for my newsletter, and follow me on Instagram and YouTube, where I share tons of free content, special offers, and ensure you're the first to know about my new offerings. I offer private coaching as well as courses, workshops, and retreats, so be sure to stay in touch if you'd like to go deeper together. Thank you, loves. Have a gorgeous day. Ciao.